This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, September 12th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. Yesterday was my birthday, so that's come and gone. And we are well on the way to new highs uh, in the overall indexes. I'm going to talk about what that catalyst might have been. You know, we've seen a lot of volatility over the past, you know, 18 months. Actually, now almost like almost two years. You know, January will be the the top in uh, 2018 in the market, and we've had a lot of gyrations since, and a lot of variables at play. So we are here to help you make sense of it all and do that with some unbiased guidance and you've come to the right place for that if that's what you're looking for so i'm justin klein and i hope you will call me with your investing questions and if you do make that phone call you can shape today's show or a future show to your particular advantage and it will help you make that next step in financial freedom which is our goal here each and every weekday is to help you make that next step along your particular journey. Everyone's journey is different. You know, everyone tries to copy their friend or their neighbor or their family member, right? And it's always good to get little tips and tricks and, and uh, ideas from friends, but not everything is right for you. And the only thing that really matters is your path that makes sense for you and your lifestyle, your wants, your needs, your situation. So, we are here to answer those questions that fit your particular situation. So give me a call, 888 chart 888-992-4278. That's how you through, get through, excuse me, and ask your question on today's show. Or anytime, listener line is open right now. So call right now. So here, here's a quick word about the upcoming KP Wealth Management Conference that the name of it is Earning Yield in a No-Yield World, Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, and Bonds for Income. It's going to be on October 12th, so one month from today. Steve and I will lead the conference. We're going to have some real estate experts as well as trust attorneys there to guide you as well. You can register at investtalk.com. There is an early bird special, I believe it expires on uh, this weekend, so you want to get to it and get that early bird special. Once again, you can register at investtalk.com, click on Invest Talk, and then go to conferences and you can sign up there. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story, what President Trump's call for 0% interest rates would mean for your wallet? Clearly, the president is about debt. He loves debt. He's a real estate developer. You don't develop you know, million dollar properties without taking on some level of debt. It could be a bridge loan. It could be all different types of structures that get those projects off the ground. Uh, but clearly, he is very familiar with debt because of his background. And he even called for maybe the government, U.S. government, to lower interest rates, the Fed to lower interest rates, and extend the maturity of their debts, etc. Kind of a... a, a a reorganization of our debt in a way. Uh, so that, I thought that was interesting. But he's calling for the Fed to go to 0% rates. And cheap money, 
especially for a real estate developer, is like crack. So he loves it, he wants it, and he thinks the Fed should go to zero now. So we're gonna take a closer look at this. Also, I have some other things on my mind. Very, very interesting development this week in the markets. And I'm not talking about the new, you know, the, the, the brief new highs we saw in the S&P today, even though we didn't close there. Um, it was more underneath the surface and it had more to do with Monday and Tuesday and less about the last couple days. And it was the rotation from growth or out of growth into value stocks. Value did far better this week and really this month than growth stocks have. Uh, and particularly momentum stocks, etc. A lot of the high-flying, exciting names didn't do so hot, and a lot of them were down dramatically and quickly in just a few days. Monday, Tuesday, a little bit of fall through Wednesday, a little bit of bounce back on the momentum versus value today, but it was very interesting to see this change. We haven't seen this change in a while, and the big question is, why is this happening? And also, is it sustainable? So we're gonna touch on that. Next, the trade war. The trade war continues. We're talking about potential temporary deal. I don't, you know, there's all of these headlines, and I think that's a big reason why we've seen a recent rally. A lot of algos tried to scan the internet for stories like this, and guess what? When you see that hit the wire, a lot of the algos just buy the indexes, and so that was a big driver of the market today. Um, so. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the ECB. ECB cut rates today. They're reviving QE to, re to lift their growth rate in the European Union. And that is important because they're really the second most important central bank in the world. And we're going to talk about that as well if we have time. But ultimately, it is what is on your mind that matters most to myself, to Steve, to us here at Invest Talk. So I want to hear from you. Let's go to Matt in Massachusetts. He's looking at CVS. How are you doing, Matt? Good, Justin. Love the show. Thank you for having me. I just uh, just uh, no CVS stock has been doing pretty well lately. Uh, I see it's about up twenty percent over the past six months, and I'm kind of in a unique position where I'm an employee, so I get a ten percent discount at its lowest price every quarter. So. Uh, with that, I got a, it's got a pretty healthy PE of about 13, and the dividends have been really good and just consistent over the years. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm just like, it takes up a lot of my portfolio, and because I've been, I'm only 25 years old. I'm just wondering uh, if I should just keep buying this up, or like, I'm trying to diversify a little more. Just curious your thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what percentage of your overall assets, liquid assets, would you say CVS is? So it's, it's, it's pretty bloated. I, I'd say it's about 50% of my portfolio and I have about the other, it's about 30% in the 401k and 20% in a Roth IRA. Okay. And what, so in a Roth IRA, you don't have to own it in a Roth IRA, right? Uh, no, I just, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing. Personally, just yeah, so I would definitely sell it out of your Roth. Uh, you know, it, it's much fifty percent way too large. I I don't think anybody should ever have more than ten percent of their liquid net worth in company stock. You just go back and look at you know the Enrons, Worldcoms of the world. You know the the companies that have poor 
that, that, that have just wiped out the savings of their employees in one fell swoop. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with CVS, uh, but certainly they're in a, you know, CVS is in, in an area of the marketplace that is under threat, not just from retail, but also, you know, pharmacy benefits, et cetera, and drugs, uh, drug prices. All of these things are going to weigh on profits and sustainability of the CVS business over the long term. So they have a lot of headwinds to deal with. They're, uh, you're an employee, so I think you, you understand this. They're, they're, they have a strategy to, kind of change their business and insulate them from a lot of those headwinds. Uh, but there's no guarantee that it'll work long term. So you absolutely need to be diversifying away from it. So I would sell every every share in your in your in your Roth and diversify that way. Now the big question is should you continue to buy it in your four oh one K, I'm assuming, right? So my Roth is actually through Vanguard, but um my CVS stock is like a separate employee purchase program. I see. So, but you can sell it, right? You're you're able to sell it and, and diversify, right? Exactly. It's like a six month turnaround, but I, I can sell it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would continue to do that 10%, uh, buy it on the 10% discount and then sell it six months later and make sure that it's never more than 10% of your overhaul net worth because you know, CBS goes under. Not only do you lose your job, but you lose all the value of that stock as well. Not saying that's going to happen, but you definitely don't want to overexpose yourself to just the CVS business as a whole. So I would definitely keep it within 10% and no more. Thanks for the call, Matt. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own particular risk tolerance. And the first step to do that is to determine your risk tolerance score. 1 to 99, fast, higher it is, the more comfortable you are with risk. And then you can make sure that your portfolio is aligned with that particular risk tolerance. So you can do that at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. The long summer of 2019 has ended. And the big question now is, which way will the market go? You need unbiased investing guidance. And Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Al in Virginia. He wants to talk about the market's rotation. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, something really interesting happened this week. I don't recall I've ever seen this before. You had the top 50 stocks in the S&P trade down and the bottom 50 Uh trade up in almost an Uh equal amount so that the S&P basically stayed flat. So I'm really curious. Did everyone suddenly wake up that morning and decided to do this? Did they call each other and arrange this? Was there some something in the market that triggered it and everybody else kind of saw it and jumped on board? Really uh, interested in your thoughts on that. You know, I'm still trying to actually figure out why. Now, people didn't call each other. Uh, this just uh, this just happened. It feels a lot like uh, March 2000 to me, uh, to where 
the the growth stocks and the tech stocks were driving the market higher and then eventually uh, liquidity wa- was drying up and uh, liquidity in the marketplace right now is drying up for a lot of different reasons uh, even though the fed and the ecb now are embarking on easing cycles it's been minor so far um, and our debt levels uh, here in the united states are sopping up liquidity in the system so a dollar liquidity in the system and so eventually the fed's going to have to go back to, to bring money to monetize our debt etc but that's a whole nother uh that's a whole nother discussion but the bottom line is yes suddenly valuations mattered profitability mattered growth mattered far less than actual cash flows and profits because the companies that were producing good cash flows dividends profits that were unloved or are rallying, you know, 10, 15% in the matter of a week, week and a half. And a lot of the names that were just being bought up simply, uh, because of algorithms, et cetera, are, uh, were down some, some of them were down 20% on Monday and Tuesday for no particular reason. You know, I can point to a, to a handful. Uh, I think it was a lot of, uh, algorithm. You know, the market is driven by algorithms today in a lot of ways. You know, it talked about the headlines with the trade war. Um, uh, but clearly there's been, there was some sort of, of change. Now, was that a two day fluke? Something, some algorithm blew up and had to liquidate. That's certainly possible uh, as well, but it hasn't reversed in a dramatic fashion. Uh, you know, today was a small reversal. What I do is I do a, a ratio of MTUM, which is the momentum index in the SPY, and you got a little bit of a bounce uh, today, but very, very minor. Um, so this is, this is, I don't know the reason. <laughs> I wish I could tell you what the reason is. I just don't know what it is. The bullish argument is, well, the, the, this easing is going to reaccelerate the economy, right? Rates are going to go higher. The cost of capital is going to be higher. The discount of cash flow for these growth names is going is, is, is to you know, be affected more dramatically. Um, that's one way to look at it. The other is saying, you know, we're going into a recession and we want to own dividend pairs. We want to own companies that actually have positive cash flow that aren't dependent on, you know, raising new, new capital, issuing debt, et cetera. So that's the, that's the bearish argument. So there's, there's bullish argument. There's a bearish argument. I think we're going to find out in the next month. I think we're going to find out which way is the market going to break. Is the overall market going to break higher or are we going to break down lower and slowly slide into a bear market? Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. And obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance. That's why you're here. So I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP Premium Newsletter. It's written and distributed every Friday right to your email box. Give me a call. I want to hear from you right now at 888-99-CHART. We have some important calendar dates for you. First, Steve Peasley is taking reservations for his no-cost portfolio reviews. The next availability will be October 10th in San Jose, and then November 7th in New York City. And the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference will be held in Irvine, California on October 12th. That is a Saturday. You can learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's take a quick look at some key benchmark numbers today. The two-year Treasury rate was at one point seven one percent. 
And the 10-year yield was at 1.7. So we had a, an inverted yield curve once again. So bouncing back and forth between the two. And it's still up, though. It's up about 30 basis points, which is interesting, since it's low just a couple weeks ago, around 1.4%. So the, the move here uh, on the 2-year the and the 10-year is pretty, pretty interesting. Now, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage is at 3.56%, up a bit, yet still near historic lows. So rates are rising. Uh, going back to that last caller, one of my other theories on this is that the trade war is the trigger. Um, the fact that we started tariffs 15%, there could be more, uh, means inflation is likely to tick up. And the worst thing for the bond market is inflation. Bond market hates that. You have to adjust rates. So when inflation goes up, real rates drop. And in order to keep real rates the same level, nominal rates have to rise, okay? So that is one of the big reasons, I think, why you're seeing this rise in yields. I mean, it really started at the beginning of this month, and you're starting to see a pretty decent increase in the treasury rate, and I think a lot of that has to do with inflation. So the fact that rates are up, the cost of capital is higher, etc., that's bad for growth stocks. So you're seeing a tick up in rates across the board. Gold is at 15.04 an ounce, down a little bit. You know, we continue to be in this modest pullback in gold mining stocks and gold in general. Oil was up a little bit, 55.14 a barrel, and gasoline at 2.57 an ounce. Uh, not, not a shock. Not a shock that we're still seeing uh, commodities be relatively strong now that the dollar has kind of stopped going up. And that's what I'm, I'm waiting for is when is that dollar going to break? And I think that's when you're really going to see inflation take hold. And that could really throw a wrench in everything. And I think we are really close. We are really close. Oh, oh, this whole scenario looks a lot like a potential currency, not currency crisis, but a debt crisis here in the United States. Debt is dra rising dramatically. And a very unsustainable pace. Now, the left's going to blame Trump and the tax cuts, and that's certainly uh, certainly warranted to a degree. But we've been on this path for decades. Promises from Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, entitlements across the board, unemployment, etc., all of these entitlements have created massive hundred plus trillion dollars in off-balance sheet liabilities that are just simply coming on balance sheet. So you can blame, blame short-term moves by President Trump, and you can blame long-term moves by both sides of the aisle, every politician in Congress and president, previous presidents. So... That could be another reason as well. Is is the dollar going to start to decline now? Because the Fed's going to have to return to QE to monetize the debt. It's a complicated puzzle. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it all means. Because typically it doesn't just ebb and flow in a, in a, in a V formation. Right? 
it kind of goes back and forth and things tend to develop over time. But are we near an inflection point? And I think we might be. Now, Walmart will take its grocery delivery service nationwide to 1,400 stores this fall as a $98 annual subscription, pretty similar to Amazon Prime, right? Walmart Deliveries Unlimited gives shoppers the option to pay either $98 per year or $12.95 per month to receive unlimited grocery delivery orders to their home. Now, you must have make a minimum $30 order. So it may not make sense to people that already have Amazon Prime, for example. But Walmart still is the largest grocer by volume in the United States. So clearly, Walmart, I've said this before, the two companies that have the best chance to upset Walmart, excuse me, Amazon, when it comes to retail, you know, just selling goods, is Walmart and Target because they have the distribution. They have a lot of things that Amazon doesn't. The infrastructure, the relationship with suppliers, etc. Now, the platform that can upend Amazon, and take notes here, not saying you go buy it today because it's very expensive, it's part of the growth uh, you know, area and probably needs to come down a lot, is Shopify. The more I study Shopify, the more I love it as a platform that doesn't compete with their clients. Amazon competes with their clients, competes with those that are selling on their platform. And that is, could be, could be the downfall of Amazon long-term. Now in tomorrow's Invest Talk, this story, the U.S. Treasury Secretary says there's obviously, there, there is serious consideration about issuing 50-year bonds. That story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. And I invite you, I invite your finance and investing questions now at 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm, that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Raul from Flower Mound, uh, calling with regards to State Street S. T.T. Sam Tom Toms. I'm calling to see what you guys thought about the stock. Uh, it certainly has dropped quite a bit, and uh, the dividend looks uh, very good. And uh, I guess, uh, in general, what you guys think about, just want to know what you guys think about the financial sector. Thank you, and appreciate all you guys do. 
All right. Well, I typically in this environment don't love the financial sector, but there are different subsectors. You know, I think of uh, financial sector. Most people think of banks, and you know, I'm not a big fan of banks in this environment. But there are certain types of companies that I do love. Uh, State Street. They provide investment services and asset management, primary to institutional investors worldwide. So they're a B two B versus a lot of other finance companies that you're going to think of are more B two C. Uh, now, this is a business that's been around a long time. Uh, they had a high of $114 a share or so back in 2000 and was that 17 or early 18 and declined to a low, 52 week low of 48.62. So, down roughly 55, 60% from its high. And we've had a bounce back. And this, so far, this has been one of those classic value rallies, right? This is the classic name that has rallied in this switch from value to growth. Now, you think that is sustainable, you think this is not a one-off event, then this is exactly the type of name that you would want to buy. State Street, STT, $22 billion market cap, positive cash flow, their return on equity long-term is very, very solid. Uh, 11% and consistent, you know, not crazy high, but consistent. Uh, the, like I said, positive cash flow, dividends, 3% dividend yield, and their payout ratio is only 38%. Cash dividend payout ratio, only 14%. So a lot of room to continue to raise that dividend over time, which I like. So if you're looking for a value name and a return to some normal valuation, right now the P is 10 Five-year P range is eight to seventeen. You know, getting this back into that market P around sixteen, seventeen, eighteen means it's going to rally another fifty percent back into the nineties. I kind of like it, um, so I'm giving a thumbs up on State Street. Strong business, strong cash flow, and just a strong value. To be honest with you. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story: what President Trump. What, what tre- President Trump's call for 0% interest rates would mean for your wallet. Now, I talked a bit at the top of the show about how Trump loves debt. That's his whole world, his whole business is built on debt. So he understands how great low interest rates are for the borrower, for those that are trying to create economic activity in some particular way. And... He thinks that the Fed should not just cut a quarter per, quarter point this month, but go just directly to zero. Said, hey, you're already on your way to zero anyway. Go there now, right? And which makes sense for him because he's looking to juice the economy over the next year. That's all he cares about. He wants to get reelected. And if you have an economy that continues to decelerate because part maybe the trade war, part maybe just higher interest rates, part maybe just a cycle that is maturing. You know, there's a lot of probably reasons why you have a slowdown in not just the global economy, but you know, domestic economy as well. So he wants that juice given to the economy today, right? These are bullets. The Fed has raised rates in order to have bullets in their holster in case the economy gets weaker. And if he does go there, or the Fed does lower the rates to zero, the big question is, is that a panacea? Is that really going to juice the economy higher? I think I think it will and to some degree because 
of what we'll do to asset prices. You know, I talked about r r uh, rates rising. Well, that hurt a lot of a lot of assets, not the value names, but a lot of the higher value names. Now, what would it do to you, the consumer? Well, you would, your borrowing costs would go down a little bit, but they're they're relatively low still. Uh, mortgage rates would come down a little bit, but they've already come down over 100 basis points on the expectation that the Fed will continue to cut. So they might just come down a little faster. But what would happen to your savings? Those that are retired, near retirement, and looking to produce income. Well, they would just stretch for yield once again into riskier names, riskier assets, just like they've been doing for 10 years plus. And we had zero rates for a while, right? We had QE, we had zero rates, we had effectively negative rates. Was it a panacea for the economy? No. Economy still grew about 2%. So that's kind of where our economy is growing right now and should be growing. So don't expect low interest rates or lower interest rates to really make or create an economic miracle because it's not. It's really not. And you're really just throwing savers under the bus and it would be terrible for our pension system, both here domestically and worldwide. We're already in a perilous situation. Why? Because pensions, they buy, they buy safe assets, treasuries, investment grade bonds. And the fact that they're only getting 2 3% annual is a mess. It is a giant problem for the pension system because they're expecting 7 8 9 10% returns over the long term with a mix of bonds and equities and you know they're getting a little bit from the equity side and that's really the saving grace right now. But what happens when like over the last 18 months the market goes nowhere? You're only yielding that 3% on the bond side and that's not enough to keep the pension system going. So lower rates will be the death kneel of our pension system. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. So I think it's safe to assume you are serious about growing your wealth. You're serious about investing. And our job here each and every day is to help you decipher the what matters versus what really doesn't matter. You know, a lot of headlines, a lot of CNBC. You remember, their job is to get you to listen get you to watch, get you to read. Why? Because they're selling advertising, they're selling subscriptions. They don't really care that much whether you make money or not. They just care whether you're paying attention. So that's what we're here to do each and every weekday. And that's we have different tools for that. Obviously, Invest Talk Show, but we also have our risk analysis tool at investtalk.com that you can go and take. And now I'm ready to take your question live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. And if you live or work anywhere in Southern California or the New York City area, Steve Peasley has added new dates to his portfolio review consultation opportunities. Serious investors understand that a balanced portfolio is essential to achieving financial freedom. And Steve Peasley can sit down with you, analyze your positions, and then offer to make strategic improvements. Steve is added Thursday, October 10th for San Jose, and he's added Thursday, November 7th for New York City. There is no cost and no obligation. Don't delay. Head to the Portfolio Review page at investtalk.com and register now. 
The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is David out in Sonoma. Thank you guys as always for doing what you're doing. Much appreciated. Wanted to get your take on big banks. I have been holding City since 2015, and I've traded in and out of a few other of the big bank positions through the years and have done pretty well. So I wanted to see on a broader base, what is your favorite bank of the big banking sector? I know you can't recommend individually, but if you had to pick one that you particularly like for the next 30 years, which one would you choose? So my personal choice was Citigroup, just because of the broader international exposure. And I think the rest of the globe is not doing great right now, and we're doing fine. But I think in the longer term, as everything kind of starts to rise again, City will outperform the rest of the sector. I know they've done well in their trading relative to the rest of the uh, the index as well. So curious to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Of the big banks, I'm definitely just going to go with JP Morgan. Uh, They're the best well-run, the most connected. They're also global. Uh, you know, City is not my favorite, to be honest with you. Uh, they had huge problems uh, in the financial crisis. Uh, their profitability long term has lagged the the likes of J.P. Morgan uh, from a margin standpoint, from return equity standpoint, etc. So, you know, J.P. Morgan just has the highest return of asset capital, five point seven two percent. Citi's is only three point eight eight. JP Morgan's is about 15 on the return on equity and Citi is only about 10. So I'm a much bigger fan of JP Morgan over Citi if I'm buying one. I don't love banks in this environment overall. They have been ra- lagging relatively. You've seen a little bit of catch up recently, but overall over the last uh, two years or so, they've definitely been lagging the overall market. And so I don't love banks, uh, especially in a slowing global economy. And I'm not a fan of Citi. If I'm going number two, I'm going Bank of New York Mellon. That would be my second favorite. I'm not saying go buy any of them. I really don't like banks right now, but if I'm picking one or two, those are the two that I'm looking at. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 888 We have let's see, 10 minutes. So if you're going to call, give me a call right now. Let's talk about the trade war and its impact on Amazon and this goes back to what I was talking about with the potential rise in inflation because of the trade war. And who better to study and help understand the impact of the trade war than the largest retailer in the world, which is actually Walmart would be the largest, but the largest uh, uh, reta- online retailer, which would be Amazon. And they have the most tariff risk due to the impact on product pricing and there was a report from Bank of America that looks at their cost of goods sold and it estimates that 20% of Amazon's first party sales meaning stuff that Amazon is selling directly comes from China or is imported from China and 25% of their third party sales meaning retailers who are posting on Amazon and using it as a platform 25% of those sales come from China as well or imported from China so they, this report estimates that these tariffs will increase prices on Amazon's site by about 2.1 to 
to offset the costs of these new tariffs. Now, obviously less impact of uh, their first party sales, but more impact on their third party sales. And this will have a direct impact on profit margins as well as your pocketbook, right? It's going to create inflation. That's what the report is saying because this will likely be passed on to the consumer. Now, there will be some substitutions, right, where consumers will buy goods from other parts of the world, right, simply because their prices are going to probably stay the same versus the ones from China are likely to go up some. So not a shock, but definitely something that needs to be understood, considered, and implemented in your thought process of where the world is going, where the markets are going, where is inflation going? And if inflation is picking up without a subsequent increase in final demand, in fact, likely lower final demand, because if incomes aren't changing, aren't getting better, right? This isn't helping the incomes of U.S. workers. It's just simply costing more. Now, you could say, oh, well, they're going to onboard manufacturing. Well, there's been zero evidence that that's actually happened. Why? Because China's waiting out the trade war. And guess what? A lot of companies are as well. A lot of companies are saying, hey, I don't think Trump's going to be here in a year. Why am I going to change everything just for one year? So inflation is picking up. And I think that could have been the spark that changed the mood of the market. Now, if we move fast, I can get to another caller at 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. Um, Steve, question for you. Uh, last fall, you often spoke of the VIX, but you haven't spoken about it for a while now. So what's the VIX been doing lately, and how do you interpret it? Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, well, I guess he was trying to talk to Steve, but I'll answer the question. Now, the VIX, the volatility index, definitely rose in late July uh, with the sell-off in the, the overall market, right? We had that, that sell-off uh, after new all-time highs, pretty pretty steep in the matter of about four days. Uh, and then we chattered sideways, and now we'd rallied back up to where we broke down from. Uh, so uh, the market overall has not gone anywhere since late July, Whereas the VIX went from about 12, hit high of around 25, and has slowly bled lower back to about 14. So it's still higher than where it was in late July, uh, but then the market's kind of flat. Um, this looks like a bullish wedge, a bullish flag pattern overall, so that likely means it'll eventually break higher. No guarantee, but that's kind of what it looks like but it's definitely been depressed down uh, to about 14. Now that could be uh, for various reasons, but clearly the market backdrop is not clear, not as worried about what's going on with the economy as it was just a couple months ago. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, and that is to help you achieve your own personal version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. We're going into the last segment, so if you're going to call, you have to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk 
the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-427. Let's go to John in Fremont. He wants to talk about Apple. Uh, hi, John. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I really love your show. Uh, so just wanted to check, you know, uh, is Apple still a good entry point right now or will there be a, a pullback expected, you know, based on how it's been uh, so far the last three days? Well, it's definitely not a good entry point today. We're bumping up against its high from 2018 around uh, you know 225 230 to $230 a share now we're at 223 so uh, this is clearly from a technical perspective not a great place to 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 get in now if the market breaks out apple is one of the heaviest weighting in all the major indexes and so it's going to ride the wave higher with the rest of the market uh, and long term apple is i think still a great company great business and 10 years from now, I think it'll absolutely be higher than it is today. Um, but if the market pulls back and we, we fail these this recent test of the, of the all-time highs, Apple's going to probably head back down to 200 or maybe even to the high 100s, you know, 180, 185. That's a better entry point for me around that 185, 190 area. Um, but technically, no, this is not a good entry point, but uh, it will break out if the rest of the market breaks out. Thanks for the call, John. Let's go to Cynthia in the Bay Area. She has a market question. Yes. Hi. Um, my question says I was recommended by uh, the Dallas Advisor to put about 30, 30% into bonds right now. I'm I'm about 20, 20 years away from my retirement. And, uh, I mean, would you consider that to be a more conservative approach or... Would you put thirty percent in bonds right now? What type of bonds? Um, dating and say just in general, that's allocation wise. That's what it is recommend. Well, that, that's a, that's that's a tough for me to to, to answer. Um, you know, rates are very low which is not a great time typically to invest in bonds unless bonds are going to continue to go up or yields are going to continue to drop. Uh, I think the economy is slowing, um, which tends to push rates lower. Um, you know, it's, it's not a great time for a lot of different asset classes. So it's hard for me to say, oh, I love bonds here. You know, I like bonds better than a lot of equities, most equity uh, equities in the market. Um, so I, I would say that, but I would definitely be going with high-grade corporate uh, sector and not junk. Uh, probably wouldn't do treasuries either. Um, that's the place that I would stick with. So um, certainly it's okay to have a decent chunk in bonds, but you have to be judicious and not just pick any bonds because not all bonds are created equal. Let's go to Frank in San Jose looking at PDBZX, correct? Uh, PDBZX, correct, Dustin, thank you. Got it. This is a prudential investment portfolio total return. Can you explain to me what they what it is? Uh, not really. <laughs> <It's classy laughs> All right. Do you own it? Are you looking to buy it? What is it? 
I own it. Unfortunately, I'm learning that I have not as much risk tolerance as I once had. It's in my 401k, okay. and unfortunately, it's the best choice of what was offered to me. I'm up 10% for the year, but I think I'm down. Every uh-huh. time, a penny is 200 bucks to me. I'm down like five days in a okay. row. What do you think? Yeah. Well, this looks like a bond fund overall, and let me look at the risk here. Let me look at the portfolio. I'm, I'm pulling it up on Morningstar here so I can really understand. All right, so 40% in AAA. It's it's pretty much all investment grade. I'm okay with that. Uh, the duration is moderate, so you're going to have some interest rate risk here. That's really what you're, you're, you're feeling right now is the interest rate risk. If yields continue to rise and it does look like this could be the start of a bigger rate, you know, a move higher in rates, then this is going to continue to go down. So I would be switching into shorter duration bonds. If you're looking to be safe, go with shorter duration. You need to find, uh, hopefully you have one in there that is very short duration uh, and I would stick with that and get out of this. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. I return on Monday. Have a good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.